Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Check. Right as I'm about to do the intro. Check. <laughs> Guys, welcome to Watch Diary. My name is Ryan Snelling. I'm so happy to be here with you as always. Lots of TV to talk about today with my good friend, my good buddy, Brando Hall. How are you, Brando? Well, you know, another day in paradise or whatever. I was going to say rough morning or... What's your least favorite response to, hey, how's it going? Um, well, you know, it's going. Yeah, I don't know. I think something that I, I wish the other person had the insight or the awareness to just not really answer that question, but really just bring up something I can or want to respond to. You know what I mean? It's like, Brando, <laughs> how... Brando, how's it going? You don't say bad or good. You just say, yeah, I just finished, like, I don't know, organizing my bookshelf. And then I can just go anywhere with that. Oh, really? You got a bookshelf? Oh, really? What kind of books do you read? Like, that kind of thing, I appreciate. I like that. Yeah. So the the courtesy is just asking, hey, how are you? But, like, actually say something. Don't. Don't just, I don't know, like, but, fi- but the last thing you want is re is to know, like, really how the person's doing. Well, well that's kind of what I'm saying. You don't care. It's like, yeah. it's like, I kind of just want them to answer with an, I don't know, an interesting anecdote. But the, the, the I mean, if you're just going to answer the question literally, of course, the best way is just to be like, fine, and immediately go, how are you? And then you've left. Because the other person, yeah. just, the other person, the person who initially asks, as long as they're not like one of those people that just ask just so they can be asked, you know what I mean? Um, then it's going to be fine and easy and it'll be over in a minute. But I, so I guess worst case scenario is just simply being like, ah, I'm not doing too well. You know, I have to every now and then, every now and then somebody at work that I interact with, um, living the dream, a, a public, someone, a, a stranger, not someone I work with, but if a stranger answers with, you know, I'm having a bad day or whatever. Um, I don't know. I usually just give them like a free thing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to avoid talking to like specifically about what I do, but I usually yeah. just like, I usually just help them out instead of like actually saying anything. So they'll be like, yeah, I'm having a really bad day or this happened. And then I'll just be like, oh, I can do this for you. That way it's kind of like not 
involving myself, but I just kind of also like say something to kind of leave it alone. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, you've taken this way farther. I thought you were going to say something like, oh, you know, another day, another dollar. Or living the dream. Or any of those kind of like quick responses just make me die inside. Well, I thought a lot about this, as you can tell. Sure. But, but also, I kind of like did exactly the thing that I said I like. Which is, I, I've been asked, like, I, you know how many podcasts I've done where me and my co-host have talked about this already? So you asked me that question. I, I've been asked that before, maybe even by you, and uh, I just kind of went a different direction. Let the past die. Kill it if you must. Mm, you're close. Not quite, but... It doesn't matter, because none of those movies matter. Uh, and... So I just got done binging today, this afternoon, the new Andor series. Right. Watched all three straight in a row. Yeah. And we, if you've been here the past couple weeks, I brought up that sometimes studios release multiple episodes at once. Yeah. To uh, because they know it's not good. Right. Or to try and get the audience sucked in before you know the the show really takes off or doesn't in the rings of power uh instance but so i watched three of these episodes today yeah and when did you watch them i watched them the next day so they came out on wednesday i watched them thursday morning i believe okay i wish i would have known they came out on wednesday yeah, so well, I I told you that when I assigned you this. You didn't so, say Wednesday. Yeah, I totally did, dog. Yeah, well, I don't pay attention to you. I was going to say. Um, so, yeah, I watched them all today. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready. To, are you ready to talk? You want to dive into that now or you want to? What do you want to do? Viewers, listeners, this is how I, f- <laughs> I find out that Brando doesn't have a whole lot of time to podcast. Whenever, That's not true. Whenever he just takes the reins and starts bringing up, you've done this a couple times, I never care. I think it's funny. But it's like yeah. you cue in like, Snelling, don't vamp. Don't talk to me about how you greet people in public. We're gonna t- <laughs> we're going straight to... There's a couple episodes. No. There's a couple episodes because I cut out the clips individually on the YouTube channel, and yeah. a, a lot of those segues are you just starting for me. <laughs> it's yeah, great. no, I've got tons of time. Okay, I'm, I'm, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it didn't matter. I, I'm ready if you want to talk about it, but um, I, I will say, though, real quick, yes, we're here to talk about the three premiere episodes of Andor. We're going to spoil them. We're also going to do a mid-season meetup of House of the Dragon. I'm assuming you know that because that's probably the title of hell um, yeah of the thing, of the podcast. And I also have Don't Worry Darling to talk about. I don't know if you want to sit in on that, but um, I saw it last night. And uh, okay, so that's what's been going on. Um, I will give a quick update and I want to tell you about this. So, okay, I-, I told you I was doing these horror watch alongs, right? Horror, yeah. What did I say? Horror, yeah. yeah. Um, we- you've been doing that your whole life. Go ahead, yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> 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 that's what I should upload to YouTube, all of my horror watch alongs. Um, mm. 
Maybe that's what I'll do. Um, I told you I was doing this, right? Yeah. And I kind of wanted... Didn't you bail immediately? No, 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 no. The initial plan... The initial okay. plan was to do one a day in the month of October. So 31. Yeah. And I always shoot sky high when I come up with an idea. Oh, you've never made a short film before, but you're going to make a feature film about... Yeah, sure, Snelling. Didn't happen. That's right. Um... Yeah, it, that was way too much to put on my plate, and I had no idea. I never imagined how painstakingly long it takes to edit these stupid videos. So I changed it to, I'm going to do one every single weekday in October, but not counting the weekdays I'm in Kentucky. So there's a couple of stipulations, but that comes down to 18 movies. And Sounds like bailing immediately. No. I've done, let's see, I'm in the middle of editing number seven, and October is in what, seven days? I don't know if I can do it. I think I'm going to have to cut back on even more. Let me let me go ahead and tell you, you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you the, won't do it. Because that's the other thing, I too. Think- the. The thing about not releasing because I'm in Kentucky, that also means those are days that I can't edit anymore because I'm in Kentucky. So that trip takes away time that I could spend working on them, let alone releasing them. So I don't think I can do it. Two a week. Yeah, I might have to go to two a week, which is funny, too, because I've already edited some of these under the impression I was going to do 31. So one's going to be (laughs) – one's going to be – on Monday, October 3rd, or I think that's the 3rd, yeah, Monday, October 3rd, the first one's released, and I open the video with, Welcome to 31 Days, 31 Horrors, I'm doing a watch-along one. So I do this entire intro. First of all, the date's going to be wrong, because I was like, happy, o- right. happy October 1st, but you're watching it on the 3rd. And um, you can tell, too, because I'm like, I'm not trying to overly explain that I'm pre-recording all of them, but I'm right in the middle of one of the videos. I just say, you know what, guys? I just decided I'm not doing one of these every day. <laughs> so you like yeah. in the middle of watching this series, you, fi- <laughs> you find out that I'm, I'm bailing so hard. Um, I, I don't know. I just yeah. let you get some enjoyment out of my failure. Anytime... Uh... That something doesn't go exactly the way I plan, I call it snelling. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, doctor, I was trying to lose weight, but then all of a sudden I snellinged. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, can I tell Amazing. you? Can I tell you about the movies that I've watched for the first time? Let me guess. They're horror movies, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. For the first time, you watched The Shining. No, I've seen The Shining. I don't like The Shining. Did you know that? Yeah. I don't really. Why? I don't know. Because it's good? I just don't really. It's not that I don't buy it. I just don't really. I don't like watching how weird everybody is. That kind of stuff. It doesn't. Like, that's what horror fans live for. And that's why I'm not a horror fan. Like, I'm so annoyed with how weird everyone is in that movie, and I can't stand watching Shelley Long in that movie. Can't stand it. So, when the actors... Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Sorry. Shelley Long's from Cheers. Uh, Shelley Duvall. Um, so, that if I want to turn on a movie, why do I want to turn on a movie where, like, I'm just bothered by everybody? Um, 
And also, I just like I don't think that movie really. I don't want to say explains itself, but it kind of doesn't explain itself. And I don't know. I don't know. Do you, it's it's better than Halloween. Um, I mean, I'm not that. It big is a, Halloween. I I watched for the first time a few years ago when the most recent, basically when they restarted these sequels with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. And I was so underwhelmed by it, and that, it was one that's of the, right. It was one of those things where I got online and I just went in on it, and everybody, Brody Koning had a problem with it. Um, <laughs> there was a, I'm trying to think, somebody from like the Schmoes No Universe was like texting me back and forth about it, like taking issue with what I said. But Halloween is the most underwhelming movie to go back and rewatch after you've seen the types of movies that have been made in my lifetime. And so I'm like, what's amazing about a slasher like that when you've seen so many already? I mean, it's one of those things where like, okay, you just, you tell me it's what started it. I understand that, but am I supposed to think anything else other than, okay. Like, (laughs) that's right. It's a movie of... That's the correct... Yeah, it's a cool premise, and it scared me when I was a kid, because I was a kid. Um, Watching it now, you're like, boobs, you know? Yeah. That's that's one of the first things... That's one of the core memories of growing up, is going to my friend Jake Beck's house, watching that movie, getting scared, and seeing my first pair of boobs in my life was from that movie. My first set of boobs, I think, that I remember was in a Bruce Lee movie called Fists of Fury or China. I can't remember which one it is. It's either Fists of Fury or Chinese Connection. When a naked woman takes off her shirt and walks in on him um, into his bedroom. And I remember. That's in a Bruce Lee movie? Yeah. That's wild. And I remember my I was at my dad's house. That's where I could watch stuff like this. And smut. I, whenever, it was random because, like, whenever I would go to my dad's house, we were always in the same room together. I can't remember at the time if I had a TV in my bedroom or not, but I only stayed there on weekends. So, usually, we would just, like, watch stuff in the living room, and we would never be in different rooms. But I remember, for some reason, I just thought to myself, I'm going to go watch that boob scene. And so I wonder if my dad, <laughs> my dad probably thought it was weird because I just like went to his bedroom where he had yeah. a TV and VCR and I just started watching basically for that scene. Like I was fast forwarding to get to that scene. It was a VHS. And uh, I, I remember my dad like walked to his bedroom to go to the bathroom and like saw that I was watching the movie I was watching, but he didn't walk in on me watching the scene. But I wonder what he thought. Like, why is Ryan watching this movie in my room? Um, it was to see boobs. Yeah, I think he knew exactly why you were in there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if my dad I used to recalled what went down in that movie, but probably. Yeah, speaking of, I watched a movie recently where, uh, oh, I remember. So I watched this, like, indie movie called Yes, God, Yes. All right. Have you heard anything about it? Um. The title sounds familiar, but I can't recall literally anything else about it. So, so it's uh, it's Nancy from Stranger Things. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, actress, yeah, yeah. and she plays this uh, this little floozy. Mm. Okay, she's you know 
it's a coming of age story where but it's in set in like deep if if you grew up Christian and went to a Christian camp, this is what would have happened. But she's like, you know, learning how to, you know, play with her kibbles and bits. Like she's learning those things. Hell and like yes. you see her sexual awakening. Um <clears throat> but she rewound and fast forwarded the Titanic sing mm. with uh Kate Winslet. And I remember doing that as a kid. I did that too. And my parents uh my mom had a cop oh god, this is embarrassing. My mom had a copy of uh Unfaithful with uh Diane Lane. Yeah, Diane Lane and Richard Gere. And there was a few scenes in that that I would, you know, in my adolescence, discovering who I am, I would uh, fast forward and rewind that movie. And that's actually probably, I made up probably half the views that movie ever got as a child. I remember when that movie came out and my dad and my stepmom watched it or like bought it or something, but they like made it a point to tell me i wasn't allowed to go near it and i knew exactly what they meant by that um (laughs) i knew that it was raunchy um i also remember my dad had a laptop in his kitchen i'm trying to think of what the setup was Uh. like i could sit at the kitchen on a laptop and like i my back uh, right behind me would be a wall so nobody could like walk behind me and see what i was looking at and i remember i remember like google imaging like Lindsay lohan last night Lindsay lohan hot (laughs) and 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 then he got a computer room like it was like a side room and then his computer was at the end and so the entire room was behind me and the door so then once he got his computer room i People could just walk in and see instantly what I was looking at. And I would get online just to look at Google image, like hot chicks. And it would be like whoever I thought was attractive at the time. So like Lindsay Lohan did like a bikini spread in some magazine. This was peak Lohan. Um, Just ran uh, like Alyssa Milano. I I think my stepmom used to watch Charmed. So everybody, okay, okay. Alyssa Milano. Um, there was an actress that was in all those shows like that, and Angel. Or, uh, Charisma Carpenter was another. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would yeah I would just do that, and uh, so eventually I got caught and wasn't allowed to use the computer. <laughs> I want to know how that confrontation went. Now Ryan, you've been I, looking for girls kissing girls. I remember also getting on late at night my computer at my own house getting on the computer and doing the exact same thing but i i found porn on like i discovered porn at my home computer and there was one day my dad brought me home to my mom's house and there were a couple of like weeks where a couple of weeks it didn't last long my dad would stay a little while and we like shoot basketball and there was one time, so we were shooting basketball, <laughs> and then my mom comes out on the deck and was like, Jerry, can you come up here for a minute? And so I thought that was kind of weird, because I never saw my parents, like, talk privately. Yeah. And so my dad went into my mom's house, and they talked, and so and then they came back out and were like, Ryan, can you come up here, please? And as I oh, walked, no. as I walked in, they were both seated in the computer room, and they were like, come sit down. And I sat down. 
and they were like, is this you that's looking up all this? And they, it was the one time that I forgot to delete the Google, the Google search history. So like when you went to Google and you started typing, it suggests all those things, the drop down box and yeah. everything like explicit was there. And so what did they say to you? Or, uh, or what did you say? How do you respond? I don't remember. I was just so like terrified. I don't remember exactly what was said. <laughs> Taylor it was, did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been like five years old at this point, but yeah. <clears throat> She's brilliant. Yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, you know, Cadence is nine. Yeah. And when I go to get his sweat, like, so, so here's something. He's his showers, so he's been showering every day now. And I don't know if it's because, you know, when you're a kid and you're you're that young, especially if you're a boy, you'll go a couple days between a shower. Um at nine years old. Right? It's, uh, I, I bathe every day, man. I don't know. Okay. I don't know well, how people are gonna respond to this. Most boys when they're nine, if they're not made to take a bath you know, and they didn't have gym or anything, you'll let them go two days between showers. Yeah, yeah, here we go. We solved it. If you're not made to, so you are not suggesting this every day. Right. Like, in, he comes home and showers on his own. Okay. But he's in there for a while. Right. And I'm like, now he's nine. There's no way. That he's, because I'll look at Lulu and I'm like, he's been in there a minute. What's he doing? And Lulu's like, well, you never know. Some people start young. And I'm like, no, he's not doing that. So while he's in the shower, I go get his Switch, his Nintendo Switch. And I open it up just to look. And all of the searches in YouTube Uh. are like Fortnite V-Bucks free. Hack. Hacking Fortnite. (laughs) Uh, uh, poop emoji, baby Yoda, blah, blah, blah. So it's innocent. He's an innocent boy. Right. So then I get on his PlayStation 4 just mm-hmm. to double check what he's been looking up. And again, it's all like, uh, you know, hack Fortnite, free money Fortnite, steal money <laughs> Fortnite. Because, uh, yeah, he wants that battle pass and uh, he didn't clean. So right. you don't clean, you don't get the battle pass. Yeah, it? I remember the the first time. Oh yeah, there was nothing like nefarious. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say. And then I walked in on him in the bathroom, and with the body no. with the body wash, she had drawn boobs on the wall. <laughs> no, in excrement on our shower is just written. My parents don't love me. <laughs> excrement. <laughs> yeah. Comedically, that's the best word you could have used there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, V-Bucks man. free hacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. That's great. I love this. At, at nine years old, did you have a, a video game system? Of course. What'd you have? I mean, I you're, had, a, you're a Sega kid, weren't you? Well, this was you got to think like th- when Nintendo came out and it was like so new. I mean, it were it was my parents that bought it for themselves. So, 
when I was growing up, like super early, I had the original Nintendo and then the Super Nintendo. I one of my earliest childhood memories is getting the Nintendo 64 for whatever birthday that was. What birthday was it? You need to figure it out. It, it might have been like six or seven. I can't remember what year did sixty four. But did they out? get it for themselves or did they really get it for you? No, the N sixty four was a gift to me, but my parents okay. had bought the previous systems like for themselves. Um, okay, so, so yeah. So how um, what? How old were you when your parents got divorced? Two. Oh, okay. I was about to say, you should have got, like, all the systems because they're trying to win your love and approval, right? I have no uh, living... Living? I have no... Okay. I have no memory of my parents ever being married. Gotcha. Okay. That took a depressing turn. I was going to say, are we going to... (laughs) All right, so the horror movies I've watched for the first time. Yes. um, I just want to share it with you real quick. I want to get your reaction. So, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Who cares? I thought it was really great. Was it? I thought you'd be more shocked that I hadn't seen it. Because a lot of these movies, I'm ashamed to have, have admit that I've never seen them. But also, not really. Because... Like I said, I never care about this stuff. What's his name? Uh, Vince. The guy who was in the remake of Psycho. Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn. I love Vince Vaughn. Oh, Great good. movie. Okay. Um, Rosemary's Baby. That's a creepy movie. I, I loved it. I loved, yeah. I loved it. Night of the Living Dead. Great movie. I disagree. No, for what it what it is and what it really means. It's the nineteen like sixty three version. Yeah, the black and white. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that movie. Um, it's about communism. Go ahead. The Exorcist. Great movie. Excellent. I loved it. Um, the original nineteen seventy three or four, whatever it was, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Terrible. Yeah, I, I I actively hate watched that movie. I'm spoiling my reaction, but it's okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> the original Wicker Man, terrible, but inter- like entertaining, but so bad. It also just like wasn't a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, the police all the like the policeman's like w- w- trying to figure out why doesn't this island have any fruit on it. And then it's and then he just he asked ten people in a row about this girl. It's so redundant. Um, and anyway. it's shot terribly. All of the choices are stupid. Yeah, and the music is silly goose times. Um, and plus, I have the reference in my head of like that infamous scene from the remake with Nicolas Cage, where it's like the bees, not the bees. There's like a yeah. nothing <laughs> like that in the original. I expected. That's right. I expected like some element of like torture porn, like this guy was gonna go through hell, and the fact mm. that I'm spoiling my reactions. But anyway, um, and Midsommar then, is a better Wicker Man. Go ahead. One hundred percent. And uh, so I'm in the middle of editing my video for Carrie, the original Carrie. I don't remember if it was good or not. Probably not though. I liked it. 
Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen it, but that actress is how I respond to Shelley Duvall. Or is how you respond to Shelley Duvall. Sissy Spacek. She was the yeah. lead in uh, Castle Rock. Was she? Was yes. she a lead? She was uh, Bill Skarsgård's mom, right? Or no, Bill Skarsgård plays the stranger. I don't remember. She's the old lady with like dementia. Yeah. And she, I don't remember what that's that about. That show didn't have a lead. That's true. <laughs> Sidekicks, okay? Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Okay, so earlier when you tried to take control of this podcast episode... You were talking about how uh, this was released three episodes at a time, um, and I think you had an update on your experience with this type of show that releases multiple episodes at a time. Um, this is obviously a premiere reaction, guys, so we're just talking about these three, obviously, at the time that we're sitting down here. So how, how, was, this, um, how was this experience for you, watching the first three episodes of Andor? So I'm, I've got to be honest and say I didn't finish the book of Boba Fett because it wasn't good. Right. Didn't finish it. Right. Uh, barely. Well, I did finish The Mandalorian. It actually got better as it went along, I thought. Um, and then I have watched zero of the Kenobi show. Okay. So that should tell you like where my heat meter is on Star Wars right now. Yeah. Um, I enjoy Star Wars, but I enjoy Star Wars for space wizards for the lore and for the religion of the force whatever that's what i like okay i like i like lightsabers and i like wizards okay so uh having said all that i think rogue one is easily the best thing disney's done with star wars uh since uh other than The Force Awakens, period. It's the best thing. Um, I love Rogue One as a movie. Uh, I liked, you know, it was grounded. There were no space wizards until the end. Um, But if you would have said, who's Andor? I I called it Endor because I know so little. Right? Like, when we were joking about it, I was like, Endor. When are we watching Endor? Well, Endor is a planet, so I, I understand getting confused. Um, so this is about Cassian Andor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure I got his first name right. It wasn't like Cassius. Uh, Cassius Clay. Shout out. Louisville. Um, so, yeah, I didn't... I, on episode one, I'm not having fun. Okay, 
I think it's fine. I'm not having fun, though. Mm-hmm. There's none of the things I like about Star Wars here. In fact, with how they're setting it up, it almost seems like, oh, are you just t- trying to tell like a Rebels story? And Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, was sick. So that's what I'm hoping this series does, is that they go more into, you know, and, and by the third episode, I was all in. You know, so by episode three, I had fun. But episode one, A, I almost fell asleep during it. Uh, and then episode two kicks on, and I'm texting you, because I think I texted you during episode one and was like, when am I going to care about these characters? Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, I just felt like episode one was just setting up so much of the story, but I, I, I wasn't putting two and two together that there were flashback scenes. So I was like, when are these forest people going to step into the ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and turn into Ewoks? Like, when is that going to happen? You know, they're giving themselves like Chris Angel Mind Freak uh, soul patches with the uh, with the paint. And then uh, little Cassian wants to stick his finger in the paint and one of his friends goes they don't tell us what they say for some reason i hate when shows do that tell us what they're saying don't say they're speaking another language don't care already knew that i want to know what they've said um but anyway they, they set up all this stuff by episode three things are really coming together which is why they released these three at the same time to get you through the setup to get into the, like some of them like where the story is going to go and i had a great time um in in episode three so it was a little bit of a a, a you know a dirge to get through it but once i did i'm glad i did and you know i'm excited about where the show's gonna go and dude bix so hot she bix is. is hot all right so so let's go back well, hold on we got a backtrack that was a lot. Do it. So how much did you know about the show before going into it then? Other than like... I thought it was called Indoor. Right. But I mean, like, did you know that it took place before Rogue One? Did you know that it was about... It would have had to have. <laughs> That's true. But like, did you know that it was about the CD like, underbelly of the galaxy and how... I mean, you didn't know any no. of that? No. Do you know who the showrunner is? No. Oh, you know almost nothing then. Is it Gareth Edwards? No. So, so it's Tony Gilroy, the screenwriter who wrote Michael Clayton and worked heavily on my beloved Bourne franchise. Okay. And here's the kicker. And here's why I'm so glad that I get to deliver this information for you. He directed The Bourne Legacy starring Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a strike? Were people not available? Look, so I'm telling you this because Tony Gilroy is the guy who came in and saved Rogue One from all of its production issues. Because like that, it's one of those like poltergeist situations where like Gareth uh, Edwards was given directorial credit, but Tony Gilroy came in and shepherded the movie with like the reshoots and basically made Rogue One what it actually is. Okay. Uh, so Tony Gilroy came directly from Rogue One, which I think is important because you said you responded heavily to Rogue One. The man yeah. who 
basically made that movie what it is is the one who continued this thread of oh i have more of a story to tell andor so that's why we're that's why we're going back and so i'm glad you brought up too though because it's when we talk about star wars i people i think obviously gravitate more towards war or lore and i think i'm more of a war guy so this is exactly in the same with marvel i like my boots on the ground the Captain Americas, the Hawkeyes, Daredevil. I like all that stuff more. Twerking Hulks. Yeah. I like all that stuff more than, like, say, my (laughs) Captain Marvels. So that's how I like my Star Wars. So as Star Wars has... um, How should I put this? Over the years, since Disney has bought Star Wars, my relationship has... It's given me whiplash, honestly. I... From movie to movie, from project to project, my fandom for Star Wars has changed. And finally, I just threw in the towel after Rise of Skywalker. Like, The Mandalorian, me and Jay did weekly recaps on The Mandalorian. And basically, it was just like, this is an enjoyable experience. But it's also just, like, you watch it and forget about it. It wasn't really that involving. And if anything, I kind of just, like, appreciated the fact that... Um, they introduced the volume technology and we could do this type of show. And, you know, obviously you can't take away its cultural significance because culturally it's one of the biggest shows on the planet. Yeah. But, but it doesn't have a lasting value. It doesn't, it doesn't feed me. Um, It's not a substantial meal. Um, And I don't think it ultimately contributes (laughs) to the conversation in television. And, and to be fair, I, I I mean I think any Disney Plus show, I don't think they care about making or contributing to the television landscape. It's almost just like, hey, what can we just throw out and put the Marvel label on? Um that'll serve as many people as possible. And I think it's suffering tremendously. Um so finally, with all that said, Andor I was going into it hoping with Tony Gilroy, hoping with the connective tissue of Rogue One, hoping that it would transcend every other thing that's going on 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 Disney Plus right now. The Marvel shows and Star Wars shows, and I think it delivered 100% on that promise with these three episodes. And it's it's it, it it almost transcends Disney Plus. Honestly, like it's crazy that this show is on Disney Plus based on the precedent that they've set over the last few years. Oh, you think? 100%. I I couldn't I was like this could have been on HBO and I would have believed it as an HBO show. I I thought it was actually actually finally giving us a story. A story and the writing was great. I think the writing has been so poor or so surface level on a lot of these other shows, we're actually like getting into something. We're sinking our teeth into something. And it's also just star Wars. Like we've never seen it before. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I think rogue one. Now that I've some had some time to reflect rogue one is the best thing to come out. And the fact that this is just a great brother companion series to that. I mean, I think rogue one and Andor already, are the best things about Disney Star Wars? Uh, I still think The Force Awakens is a good movie. Um, I think it's better. A, there's space wizards in it. 
Um, and that's just what I like about Star Wars. But coming from your perspective and the fact that Rogue One was so good. I mean, that opening sequence in Rogue One where, you know, she's she gets stuck and she can't get those bombs out. And then finally does, but like has to sacrifice her life at the very beginning of that. Is is that Rogue One or is that a new uh, Force Awakens? I have no idea what you're talking about. You're talking about the Re- Last Jedi. No, I'm talking about the bombing scene where they're bombing, and That's they're the like last dropping. Jedi. Is it? Yes. Oh, I'm I'm high. Never mind. I'm not really high, but Jesus. Um, well, I think about that scene because. What? How does how does Rogue One start? Because I love the beginning of Rogue One. Rogue One starts with the with Mads Mikkelsen meeting. That's um, right. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I again, and I I'm one of the rare people. I don't hate the Last Jedi. I think it's fine. I, in fact, I think it's pretty good. And then uh, I think the it's Rise the best. Scott- I think it's the best sequel. Easily. You think it's better than a Force Awakens? One hundred percent. Okay, so I think the Force if, Awakens. If you're listening, you know how to trust Ryan now. I think the Force Awakens is so uninspired, and I loved the Force Awakens when it came out. Loved it. it yeah, it's but, so good. But as time goes on, and the value of that entire trilogy deteriorates, I'm looking for what do I think contributed most positively to Star Wars, and. The Rise of Skywalker is so bad, it ruined the value of the previous two movies that are better. Honestly. Like, The Rise of Skywalker makes those other two movies worse, even though they're better. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. And it's fine. Because It's fine. Rise of Skywalker's fine. Okay. I think it's one of the worst blockbusters I've ever seen. But it's also a terrible... Regardless, it's a terrible finale to Star Wars. Sure. To the sure. Skywalker, the Skywalker saga. truck. Yeah. It's an awful ninth movie to conclude but, a saga. Anyway. But this is coming from a man who stands Colin Farrell. Okay? He owns a Colin Farrell movie on uh on Steelbook. That's no, nothing. No, I don't own it on Steelbook. It's an old DVD or old Blu-ray, excuse me, but it's also <laughs> okay. it's also better than The Rise of Skywalker. So Okay, anyway, uh you're wrong. Um how much did you want that Tim with two M's for some reason? How much did you want that Tim guy to die? <laughs> All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the story. So bad. Let's talk about the story of Andor. So how, how does that, by the way, everything I just said about like Tony Gilroy and everything, does that context help your enjoyment or anything or help like what you may <laughs> not or may even, not be? Not even a little. Does it make it worse? No, it's 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 just... These are the people, you know how, like, your take on music in, in movies is, oh, it's just, you know, movie music. That's right. To me, it's just like, oh, it's just uh, Tony Gilroy. I guess he wanted to be in Sopranos or something. I don't know. Like, weird name, Gilroy. I don't know if that's Italian. Um, I don't want to disparage the pasta-eating people. But, yeah, no, it, it affects me none. I live my life. I have sex. Okay. Okay? Right. <laughs> that's how I keep on my day that's right so so anyway i think where that comes in though for me is again that helped my anticipation but it it also is just the idea that we actually get a proven creator to come in 
And well, not that it hasn't happened before. I mean, John Favreau came in to do to shepherd the Mandalorian, and we have like an auteur writer director and Ryan Johnson taking on the Last Jedi. But there's a lot of other things that plague that situation, and I think John Favreau is just like, isn't this cute when he makes this show? Um, I don't think he's actually trying to. Honestly, Dave Filoni probably helps Mandalorian explore Star Wars more than John Favreau does. But anyway, um, I feel like Tony Gilroy is actually trying to give us a new angle instead of giving us fan service. And he's actually come out and spoken uh, about how like he, he didn't think about fan service at all um, when making this movie. Because I think people are already starting to try to ask, like, when is Cassian going to meet K2SO, the droid from Rogue One? Uh, that is his companion. And I think Tony Gilroy's like, I'm not doing any sort of fan service. Like if it's part of the story, then it's the story. Um, but he's actually just trying to do his own thing. Yeah, He's trying to do his own thing instead of doing star Wars. And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's paying off and I think it's going to work. No, because you have daddy and mommy up there who are going to tell you what you're going to do. It doesn't matter if oh no I'm gonna make the 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 movie makers or the this is a a beautiful story. He's not Christopher Nolan, okay? He's he doesn't get to say, and he's working on Star Wars. He doesn't get to say you, you there's not gonna be any fan service. A thousand percent, there's gonna be fan service. That's just lip service, is what he's doing. That's not true. I I mean, time will tell, but I mean, yeah. It, this was his project. Like they green, the- they greenlit his project. They didn't decide to make it and then hire Tony Gilroy. Yeah. They- At one point, they greenlit a Lord and Miller Star Wars movie and then stopped it. I'm not. Do you know I'm, what I'm saying? I'm not saying that K2SO isn't going to be in the show. I'm saying yeah. he's, he's not doing it to serve fans, he's going to do it to serve story. Yeah, uh, and that's... then the producers are going to come in and tell him, you will do both, or or we will find someone that will do what we say. I mean, time will Just, tell, but that's, that's, yeah, not, that's Disney way. That's not how it's been documented, but anyway. And I think, sure. you, I think you can already tell when the fact that the opening scene is that this Star Wars hero is actually a cop killer who blows someone's head off in the opening scene. And he's, yeah. also, he's also in a brothel. Like, none of, none of that screams oh this is a show that's gonna have ewoks in k2so by episode two sure and it shows this guy gake got loose morals okay even if he was looking for his sister he's got loose morals okay he shot somebody so they wouldn't talk right so i mean in the first scene the first guy died like he was okay so he's protecting himself he's fighting back all within his rights. But it still felt wrong, right? Like, to me, when he killed that guy, the first one was an accident, and you're like, well, we'll put it to whatever. And the second murder that he commits is to keep it quiet. Well, and That's you know, the point. No, I know, but it was. I was just like, ugh. Yeah, Ooh, we got a bad, uh, a naughty boy. This is like who Han Solo should have been, you know, killing people just to keep them, you know, to shut up. Well, it's who Han Solo was until George Lucas changed it. <laughs> but yeah, 
but that's besides the point. But yeah, I mean, that opening scene, first of all, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was like, it was, it was so like nice. Blade Runner esque. I really, really appreciated the vision. And this isn't filmed on the volume, thank God. It's actually filmed in real locations. And so, I mean, you could tell. I mean, the scale of this, it looked bigger. By the way, Obi Wan was terrible. Obi Wan was is, it really? Yes, Obi Wan is not a good show. It's not. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's better than Book of Boba Fett, but it's only because you get you're being carried through characters you ultimately like more. But it's still not good. Um, and Andor, the fact that Star Wars, it, I, I I shouldn't act like this because I'm I just want Andor to be good, and I think it's good up until this point. But I think it says a lot that Disney just absolutely failed Obi-Wan Kenobi. But so far has given this random character that they created six years ago a better show. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's 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 weird. And, you know, I thought the music, it was the first time music in Star Wars ever felt futuristic. Like oh, when yeah. they're in that when they're in that brothel and you're hearing that kind of Blade Runnery music, a lot of synthesizers and stuff, electro, whatever. Um, every other time we get, um, you know, when they go to the casino planet, there's like silly music. And when they, um, you know, when they're in uh, Moss Eisley, like that's the music that's playing. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And this, this one also felt very futuristic. Yeah. And it, it's the first time Star Wars has felt that way to me. Because I remember watching Star Wars as a kid, you know, all the movies, you're like, God, this looks... It, their idea of the future is whack, you know, right. with, like, just how it looked. This is the first time, to for me, that it's felt like, oh, you know, shit, we are in the future. Well, it's like really unique too, and I think Game of Thrones is kind of like this too. But it's like the the thing about Star Wars and Game of Thrones both is that they span hundreds of thousands of, or not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of years, and technology doesn't change that much. Yeah, like Tyrion Lannister, what invented the wheelchair, or or you know he invented uh the saddle that Bran could ride because he's paralyzed. And it was like the first time anybody's ever thought of that. Um, but they had saddles on <laughs> dragons. So it's like, how is that progress? Thousands of, anyway. Um, but that's the thing about the star Wars universe is that they mastered light speed, but only one planet so far is like a metropolitan planet. And the rest are just like, right. Poor. <laughs> they're just like, you know, vast open land that hasn't been colonized and like they barely have any sort of like surveillance or like everything is so retro but also futuristic and not i appreciate it i'm just saying I just, yeah but yeah so an another thing i think this show tackles really well is the empire aspect of it 100 um i thought while we were watching this i'm like oh man you know, these it's the first time that I felt and I know maybe I should have picked up on it in another way, but this one's kind of explicit in the um, in the way the Empire has its thumb over everyone and is making right. everyone into submission like, um, you know, where the the main baddie of the show, I don't I don't remember his name, um, 
but like his boss goes on vacation or goes to a conference or something in the beginning of the the show and it's basically like no it sounds like these two guys you know just you know when the murdered of the cops he's like it sounds like they picked on the wrong person and they got what they were deserved and because they were somewhere where they shouldn't be with things they shouldn't have you know that whole thing and the guy's like no i'm no i'm a stickler and so you know that sets up up the whole thing but it's it's how much the empire rules right and puts people under this like and it made me think about our government it made me think like so there are laws in the country that that people have decided on that people vote on but i didn't get a say in abortion i didn't get a say you know at some of these big level decisions that are, that are supposed to like guide and and um enforce and instruct all of us right but we like i didn't get to decide who was on the supreme court you know because we're a republic or a, a representative republic we don't get to speak into some of the laws so i think we have some unjust laws i think everyone would say that and you can just break them do you know you know what I mean? Like, you can just break them, and that's what they're doing, and kind of whoever rules gets to, like, write the history. Uh-huh. So, it's, you know, it's one of the things that we're going to talk about in Game of Thrones, but it's the same here as, like, to some people, the Empire is good. Right. And that's just, it, it, it's what makes Star Wars so interesting, but I think this is the first time where I felt the thumb of the Empire. Yeah, I think, and I did a podcast about this. I can't remember. It was like a solo podcast, I think, right when I started Watch Diary. But essentially, what I talked about was how modern audiences respond less, I think, to myths. The mythic story, the chosen one idea that Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey. I think modern audiences respond to those types of stories less and that's why we've seen, like, since the golden age of television, we've seen the rise of the anti-hero. And I think audiences are becoming more sophisticated over time. And we're asking for, like, we need world building. We need gray moralities, not just cut and dry, black and white, like, not chosen one. That's why I think Batman and Spider-Man excel is because the point of those heroes are, like, anybody can be those heroes, not luke skywalker or anakin skywalker whoever whatever theory right. you have is the chosen one which they're still fine there's still room for them i just think we've evolved past it and yeah when i i remember kind of getting into star wars for the first time like i had seen them as a kid but i never latched on to star wars until um i was older and got more involved like around the time that disney bought it and stuff like that that's when i got way more involved in all of the stories that were being released and when I rewatched, I guess it was about the time Star Wars came out on Blu-ray, the first box set, and I bought them, and I watched them again with new eyes. And I remember just being like, they don't show the occupation of the Empire. Like, you, you can watch right. that original trilogy, and you don't really know what's bad about the Empire, other than they just, it, like, tell you the Empire's bad. And, and, like, and, and they're evil. That's and, it. Right, it's and and it's just like obvious like metaphors for like oh this is a metaphor for fascism you know stuff like that or Nazis you know it's like the imagery 
you connect with, but the story isn't written right. And that's why I think Star Wars has like, and Jay and I used to talk about this. I was like, Star Wars has never blown us away because there still has like issues. And we still have, um, so the fact that like Rogue One did what it did. And like, again, that goes into like why I was excited for this show. Cause I'm just like, it doesn't show the occupation of the empire ever. When you watch that original trilogy, you don't really grasp. It. Yeah. And so, because you're, all you're doing is just, it's a, all you're doing is following a son and father. Um, good, bad, black, white, you know, those mythic ideas. But again, I was just like always hungry for more. So you, you've already mentioned the gray moralities and I agree 100%. Like, yeah. We've been missing the, the dirty underground, the dirty, um, underbelly of what the galaxy's like and not only do we need to know how the rebellion started and what it looked like when people were oppressing the galaxy but we also need the point of view of people who empathize for the empire and so all that stuff i'm just can't wait to eat it up yeah and you know glenn close is in this and you know she looks great (laughs) i don't know what the 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 woman who stole the young child yeah uh who kidnapped cassian uh is but man she looks like glenn close it's um, Aunt petunia from the harry potter movies harry's Aunt. is it really yeah oh wow yeah. very famous british actress that was another thing too is that they filmed this during covid and they filmed it in england so they just get like all the actors that are in it other than like diego luna are just like stage actors um from uh, England and stuff. Other than the woman, I've seen in a million things. But I think she was also in Bodyguard. Did you watch Bodyguard with Richard Madden? Uh, is that Rob Stark? It is. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, I think she's in that too. But anyway. Okay. Um, so, go ahead. So who who's the guy that was in Nymphomaniac that's in this? What's his that I have no name? clue, man. But he's great, right? What well, what character does he play? The old man, the Lauren. What was his name? The good guy, the old white guy, who comes in and like tries to get Cassian to join. Are you talking the... about Stellan Skarsgård? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> is that so? This is how little I know. Is he the Skarsgård's dad? Yeah, he's Alex. And wow. Dad. They're way more handsome than him. <laughs> <laughs> um no he's great yeah he's fantastic and yep. what's his name in the show oh i don't remember oh I, crap I, I mean i can look it up but yeah i remember so when i saw luthen. him luthen luthen i was hoping he was gonna bust out a lightsaber and i thought in that scene where they're surrounded he was gonna do that he was gonna force pull that uh box that they were all obsessed with Mm. um but i thought that scene was awesome number one um and then i thought he did a great job i think the bix character had a huge impact on me even though there's they've seemed to be just a side character right now right i think they're gonna come back i'm glad that her boyfriend is dead because he's a piece of trash tattletale rat tim with two m's and then um I don't know. I cared about the characters more than I thought I would. Right. Um, and and uh, just a, a quick call out to 
uh, Lord of the Rings, this is how you make people care, not yeah. whatever you're doing. Um, so yeah, I you know I'm really intrigued to see where the story is going to go. And by episode three, I really did think it all worked really well to pay off. I just you know sometimes when you set in the stage, it just <clears throat> I was you know just half in half out playing on my phone. By by the middle of episode two, I put my phone down. And then episode three, I was, you know, just kind of entranced with what was going to happen. So I think the only thing that this show struggles with is the the Disney Plus thing that it couldn't escape is the episode structure and length. Because, I I mean, we could have the boring debate, debate, the uninteresting debate of, oh, they should have just done a 90-minute episode. It's like, it's not, I mean, maybe. But it's the fact that they just don't have beginning, middle, conclusion structures with these Disney Plus shows. They just randomly end. Now, it was a lot easier to swallow because everything in it was great for me. And the fact that I could go to the next one was great. But the thing I'm worried about now, and I was wondering if you knew this. So, Tony Gilroy, the way that he designed this season, it's 12 total episodes he has four directors, and each director has their three-episode block. So we just saw the particular director. I can't remember his name. It's like Todd Haynes or something like that. Um, he did this block of episodes. So I think it's going to be a situation where we're like, we can see they tackle different arcs, and they probably look different based on every three-episode sections. But next week, we just get episode four. They're not releasing the director's blocks in blocks. So I'm wondering, like, if you imagine what it must have been like to sit down and watch any of these episodes and that's it, like on a weekly basis, I do think it wouldn't work as well. So, I mean, that's what we're going to get right into. So if you are if you were worried about what it was like to watch one lone episode, I mean, that's how we have to do it next week. And we might have a completely different conversation. I don't think shows like this... I don't oh, okay so this might be a weird take. I don't think shows like this make me want to watch it weekly. Like just release them all. Sure. Release them all. Let us take in the whole story when it's like this because it's not a cliffhanger because they're not beginning middle and end. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to feel weird in a week to week watching experience. Right. Yeah, but I'm also grateful that it's 12 episodes. Instead of a six or a nine, the way that Marvel yeah. wants to do it. But I think that's the other thing, too. And I think it's, uh, again, I don't want to. I, I, time will tell if this show ever like fumbles or like, or maybe the structure or the organization of the episodes or the release ever. Maybe it won't work eventually, but maybe I'm like super high on this based on how disappointing I've been with television lately. Um, I, two of the four big franchise shows right now are, are great or good to great. And the other two are, you know, bad to meh. Um, so maybe what are the four house rings of power, she Hulk and Andor. I'm watching, I'm watching four shows. You on put a weekly she Hulk in there. The four big ones. She Hulk's to, one of those. Are you trying to be funny? No, She-Hulk's a nothing throwaway show. That's I mean, it's, not it's that's fun. not the ar- that's not the argument. I'm not saying What's, I disagree with you. 
Oh, okay. It's a massive show. It's like, a Marvel property. Yeah, but it's it's it. Uh, okay. No, it's it, it is, but who cares? So you're only putting it in there because Marvel made it. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what people talk you, about on a weekly basis right now. Are these four shows? If you're if you're an idiot, you're talking about She-Hulk every week. If you're an idiot, and here's why, because it's a it, that'd be like a breakdown of uh the what's the Roseanne show that's still happening. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Who cares, you idiots? Breaking down She-Hulk, that's like breaking down Family Matters. I'm not, okay. Each Urkel when episode. I say, that's all I'm saying. I'm not talking about, you didn't, I don't think you got my point. No, I did. I'm you're, saying. You're talking about breaking it down on a podcast. I'm talking about. Weekly podcast. I'm talking yeah. about what television is hot weekly. And I just gave the four biggest shows on television right sure. now. And and then you're Two making it are. about you're making it about how great you can talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. No, I'm not. I'm talking about it like if this is the kind of of premiere event television that you call premiere event television, it's just not. It's not. It's yeah. it's fine. It exists. It's a thing, and it's fun, but it's not premiere television. It's not Game of Thrones. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but that's, that's right. It, it kind of wasn't in response to what I meant. Is anyway? Okay. But anyway, um, high profile is all. I'm, I'm just naming high profile stuff, not how great Shouldn't it is. Shouldn't be. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> in the weirdest way, we agree with. Even though we were, we agree. That's right. It's 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 as far as I'm concerned, it's this and House of the Dragon. Rings of Power and She Hulk, I'm they've already, I've already left them in the dust a week or two. Like I, I, I haven't watched Rings of Power this week or last week still. Since oh, okay, um, interesting. But anyway, but I mean, you're with me. Do you think Andor and House of the Dragon are the two strongest of the four that I've seen? Yes, yeah. And and to be fair, yeah. you know, there's different episodes have been out, but I mean. We 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 did get a solid choke of Andor, so I feel like it is fair to kind of co- start comparing all this. But yeah, anyway, um, any other remaining thoughts on Andor? No. All right. Well, cool. Anyway, well, I'm glad I'm glad you found some appreciation for it for sure. All right, so we are halfway through this season of House of the Dragon, and I am loving the shit out of this show. It's appointment viewing for me i look for it's the one show i look forward to every single week and i watch it with ernesto we sit down together we have a blast we're dead silent we're on the edge of our seat we react it's just everything i love about television and like i said hands down i think it's the best show on right now are you feeling the same way about all this it's the best game of thrones We've gotten in years, years. It's so good. Yeah. I, so this is the, the show I talk about more than anything right now. So at work, I work at a church, work for the, work for the Lord. Yeah. But we be watching hot D. Okay. We all talk about the hot D. Yes. Um, I am just they have done 
such a great, great job on this show so far. I am all in. It's the best show on TV. It's the. It really is the only TV to me that matters, and it's about dragons and fantasy stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, who would have thought it would work? But it so does. It's done so well. I am. I am just. I, I sing this show's praises. It is done awesomely. Yeah. I it, I think that's what makes me it's easier to sour on all the other shows that I mentioned previously because I'm just like why can't you like do this? <laughs> not not yeah. not like in the way that of course She-Hulk is going to have a, d- a different DNA than but I'm talking that's about right. the, the care for the characters and the writing and the amount of time and effort you put into these stories and the scripts and world building and the thing that Game of Thrones has always done well. I mean, I agree. I think it's so far mid season, the best season since season six of Game of Thrones. Um, oh, for sure. But also, I appreciate kind of like how it's different than Game of Thrones as well. I mean, every way that they would need to or want to be different, I think it works. While also, like, the ways that they still need to be Game of Thrones, that's all there too. Yeah. And it's the best of both worlds. And I mean, this is very much a Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul sibling relationship. Uh, the way that this show just adds to and yeah. expands instead of taints or ruins the way that Star Wars continues to taint and ruin itself uh, with every new entry. This is just ideally... This is everything House of the Dragon needed to be and what we asked yes. for it to be. And I just think it's... And also, like, I think the thing that's probably thrown me off the most and the thing that... it Like, the maker or break it aspect of this show, I think, is the lapses in time. Because that's a, yeah. that's a new device that we're yeah. not used to. And in a weird way, the lapses in time and the fact that we flash forward years... I think what they that does to me is it's honestly it just highlights how much time in this type of universe that nothing happens. Think about right. think about when we watched like the first season or two in Game of Thrones and it's a throwaway line, but I think they talked about how the travel time from King's Landing to Winterfell is actually a month. Like think of the game of Thrones pilot when we open in Winterfell and then they find out the King is coming and then it cuts to Mark Addy and the Lannisters arriving in Winterfell 30 days past at least in that pilot. And so it's more like that where, Oh, if Damon goes off and fights the crab feeder, like he's going to be gone forever. Like, he's not just going to show up in the next scene because he's gone fighting a war. And we might, and Viserys might not see him for three years. Right. Well, and so that kind of stuff, the time lapses, honestly, are just because I think so much time goes by where nothing happens. So it's doing us a favor by just skipping all this stuff. (laughs) So I think that, and ultimately, I got an interesting text from Jay where. He, he kind of brought up the idea, and I wanted to know what you thought about, well, everything I've said, but also this. Um, I think 
uh, he's sort of on this, um, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he brought up a concern um, that it kind of just asks you to care about characters without earning your care. Um, and I think he was mainly like taking issue with like where we were with Kristen Cole um, and how we kind of watched him explode in that final scene. And like, um, I, I don't agree with Jay, but I think it's a valid point to bring up. Like how much can you care about certain characters if you only see them do, do so few things in this amount of time? Uh, what's, what's your take on all that? How time works? Uh, you know, it keeps on slipping. Uh, I think uh, I think Jay is he, he might have a valid point, but I don't care about Kristen Cole. There's nothing in me that care. Like I cannot wait to see how evil he becomes because you know he won't run away and marry Renera won't run away and marry him. Right. Um, I think the sh- I, I, the times the time jumps have been awesome for me so far, but they're all the same actors. Or mostly the same actors in the same roles. This next episode is when we're going to get new actors. Yes. Um, and the only yeah. So I I don't mind the time skips at all. It takes me a second to adjust because you know I'm like oh that's that baby okay well this is where we are now and I accept it. And eventually you just get like there's one character that has that one line of dialogue in an episode that tells you exactly how much time has passed and then right. It's it's like um um it's almost like I'm I'm Desmond Hume on Lost and I, that's my constant. That's what like grounds me. You know that episode the constant where he like needs the one thing to ground him back in his mind. And it's kind of sure. like it's kind of like that. Like everything else makes sense and I can finally sit and relax and 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 take in everything else that's going on. So it's just that so- one line of dialogue we get an episode that brings me right in and I'm fine. Yeah. The way they're handling uh, the Viserys being hurt by the throne is incredible. Like, you see him just deteriorate and have to put up with the worst shitty children. Right. Uh, who who don't deserve him, even though, like, you know, he killed his wife to try and save a child. Which, that's a, that's a Sophie's choice. That's a hard choice anyway, so I'm not, like, damning the man for that. But... I think like this series. So I'm a casual fan of of TV and movies. Like I like them. I watch them every day. Mm. But like, if if it's silly, I'm out. Like I'm not going to give things like, oh, but you got to think about you know. I'm not going to a Blade Runner or like you know anything a TV show most of the time. Um, but this is a TV show that I listen to two podcasts, two podcasts every week yeah. on them. The one thing I hate, the one thing I don't like is I, I think they need to do away with what's coming up next episode because there was a cliffhanger at the end of episode five and going into to this week's episode, we know that Viserys isn't dead. He falls over at the end of of the last scene of uh, episode five. Right. And then the trailer for the, it shows him alive. And it's been like 10 years or or however long. Yeah. Um, That's the one thing I didn't like. Um, And then when you go and listen to the podcast, they are not watching those trailers. So they're responding like, will we see him? Will we not? And uh, 
you know, I listened to Jason Concepcion on the uh, official House of the Dragon, and then I listened to that Ringer one now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's it means that much to me. It takes up that much of my time is listening to hoity toits and executives like the HBO podcast. I appreciate less only because you know they're not going to spoil anything. Right. You know they they're not they they can't step over lines. The one on the ringer, they can go wild. Are you talking about you know, the fact that like they're talking about stuff in the Fire and Blood book? Is that what you mean? No, I mean like they're not going to spoil anything that's going to happen, so they won't probably won't make predictions that they know will happen because HBO would not let them do it. Does that make sense? Uh I see what you're saying. You're saying that the HBO official podcast says less about what could happen yeah. what yeah okay all that they speculate less right um because the if their speculation's the right then it becomes a spoiler okay I see exactly yeah, yeah, yeah um so this show means means that much to me because i'm having a blast listening to like the views on it i like the hbo one because they bring on executive producers and they ask really woke questions like about violence towards women and you're like this is game of thrones anything right. goes how dare you westeros has um, never been woke that's well, right well it's like i you know there's the article it's too. not wokesteros that, that that's the article too that i saw which is like game of, or house of the dragon has a queer problem just like the original show and it's like no it doesn't because, <laughs> like because the whole point it's like it it explores that kind of stuff and it's allegorical and metaphorical and and real but it's also it makes no promises like it would be terrible if house of the dragon came out and was woke because the through line and the the threads of how that stuff works would just it would be a house of cards it would all fall apart if you retroactively just change what it's supposed to be. It's like, it, it, yeah. we, we kind of had this conversation, I think last week or so, but it's like, because House of the Dragon, I feel like, or no, we were talking about it with Rings of Power, where Rings of Power came out before the show. It was like talking about how woke it was, and the fans rejected it because they, you know, it seemed like, it seemed like they did everything to try to be woke, whereas like, pandering they don't yeah that's right but but again the house of the dragon didn't say anything about just like casting i i don't know what it means that the actor who plays corliss is black um and has like that mixed race but they didn't say anything about it they just did it and they didn't make it about it and none of us think anything of it like i i haven't had a single thought about how uh, there are some actors who are mixed race or black or whatever because they're not focused solely on that. Whereas like rings of power. I'm just like, did they just do this just to be woke? I'm just like, I don't know. But See, in, it has, it hasn't bothered me. Cause I don't think there's any wokeness in rings of power. There's just representation. And anyone who yeah. gets mad at representation is a f- 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 fool. Right. Um, so when it comes to how it's handled in Westeros and in house of the dragon, like I, it, obviously it doesn't have a queer problem. They, I mean, I'm saying this as a straight white guy, but they handled the whole like uh, Corliss's kid being gay or preferring goose or duck, whichever one. They did that whole Schitt's Creek thing with the the wine. Have you watched Schitt's Creek? No. 
Is it because you're a uh, real cool guy? Why haven't you watched Shit's Creek? Um, because I, first of all, when it premiered, it was on a channel that like no longer exists. It was literally called like the Pop Network. And then people didn't start watching it until it was on Netflix or whatever. It was like right. literally on a, I remember when it came out, I was like, what channel is this? I've never heard of it. Um, it's kind of like when you hear a show's coming out and it's like the first ever Roku original. It's like, I'm not getting Roku to watch this. Show. Ryan. Um, Shit's anyway. Creek is incredible. Anyway, I've seen Ernesto watch Shit's Creek. Like it's been on my TV plenty and it's never made me laugh once. Yeah, you're you got to get through the first season, and I love no. It's been random. It's a episodes. delight. It's a. I'm telling you, it's a delight. You're wrong. I love Eugene Levy though. I love. Okay, him. I yeah. A, I you, think he's a. Genius. You got to watch it. You're wrong. Okay. okay. So, uh, I haven't noticed a queer problem, or uh, is there a problem that there's no representation? What's their problem? I didn't read the article because the headline made me roll my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know what they were referencing, but it, it definitely, in terms of representation, there's at least some. You know, is that enough? Probably not. We need more, but there's some. And that's better than it's, you know, when can you talk about, you know, premier television having that kind of representation before, you right. know, in the past 10 years? So, anyway, it's a great show. I love that they're they're setting all this up and one of the things i've been thinking about is have you noticed other than like the crab catcher and them going there crab catcher that was my nickname in high school go ahead that's right what what was his name the crab crab feeder crab feeder um deadliest catch you know um when he other than them traveling there they've done a lot of the shots in the same places Right. Mm. These are all like they so that we haven't seen a ton of huge battles. We haven't seen a ton. So I think all of that, the reason that the scenes and the um, the scenery is so consistent, they're doing a lot in the Godswood. Right. Yeah. They're doing a lot in, you know, the in Castor or not Casterly Rock, but the main like where the Iron Throne is. The Red Keep. Um, the Red Keep. So we've seen a lot of that. I think they're saving money there. So that later when it goes down, you know, it's going to get wild. And if you've like, they reference this a little bit, but like, because history is um, recorded by the victors, they've already set precedent that fire and blood is not a reliable, you know, That's right. history book. So we know what happens to Rhaenyra in the book, right? I don't. Do you I, want to know? No, I don't. I, I have. Okay, I won't spoil it. I was going to say, I've thankfully avoided. I literally know nothing that's going to go on. Okay. Other, other than the few times in Game of Thrones itself when they reference some of this stuff, because it, it was what? Uh, uh, I think it was Sh Princess Shireen who was like telling Davos a little bit about this story. And like, I don't even remember that exactly. So. Yeah. Well, Joffrey talks about what happens. Right. From, from the history. I'm not going to repeat it. Right. But. Um, but we already know that they can and will deviate from those lines. Right. Um, you know, with a show that's mainly focused on Rhaenyra, 
I think they can do whatever they want with her. If the next, who's playing her as an adult? Uh, her last name is Darcy. I can't remember if it's Emma Darcy or something like that. Uh, so, it's an actress I'm not familiar with. Okay, so if if that actress is good, sky's the limit for Rhaenyra. Um, you know, I think Matt Smith has done an incredible job in how he's played Damon. Oh my god! I think. Yeah. I think that scene, one of my favorite scenes in the whole show, is it's kind of like a, a throwaway scene, but it's when he murders his uh, his wife. Right. He doesn't say a word. And my stomach dropped. Same same effect. My stomach drops when he walks in on the the wedding engagement party or whatever you want to call yes. it, the big event. Um. My stomach drops every time he just shows up and he doesn't say anything. Um, Not a word. The scene you mentioned with his wife. I mean, that's another great... Um, it's something the showrunners talk about and in the inside look um, to what you were speaking to where they were able to just come up with how she died. Because all it says in Fire and Blood is that she died. But the writers were able to take that liberty and make it the scene that it is. And so that's a, right. really, that's a really interesting thing where it's literally about not being faithful and doing what they want with the story while also not ruining the story. And I think that's kind of where Game of Thrones sort of fell off once the writers kind of deviated from the books. So not not that they had any choice because George R. R. Martin, but you know what I mean. Did you know he's like 73 or 74? Oh, yeah. And he's like, he's a big guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know if he's going to. It's a miracle he, that he he's still lived has a, this long. He still has another book to write. After finishing, after the finishing, the one we've been waiting for for ten years, and when I say we, he, I mean the fans, not me. But he looks like he could be my dad. Um, he wears right. the same hats. We shop at the same stores. In fact, George uh, R. R. Martin should be your thumbnail on our calls. It should group. be. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I wish, I so wish that you and I had decided to recap this show instead of Rings of Power. <laughs> um, back when this show kicked off. Because, uh, man, we could have just gushed about a show. Now, there's still tons of room. I was going to say, well, there's one reason through. why that's not the case, right? It's because it's a why? Sunday night show, and I didn't think you would podcast early in the week. Since we already had I can this podcast day. on a Sunday night. My week's over. Oh, well, I don't even always watch the show on Sunday. Oh, I don't either, though. I watch uh, it on Usually Mondays. I watch it Monday. Yeah. yeah. Um, But all that to be said, I think this is... This is peak Game of Thrones. This is, um, even though it's not like a Battle of the Bastards type of, of episode, it feels that important to me, the things that are going on and how they're being played. Right. Um, I think this is, you know, Game of, of, of Thrones running on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders, whatever. I think this is just, I couldn't be happier with where the show is now. And I am going to say I'm a little nervous about this next time time jump because I love the the actress who plays Allison. I think, you know, I think we're we're losing You love the actress who plays Allison? Yeah. The young one. Yeah. Okay, well she's about to be replaced by an incredible actress, Olivia who? Cook. Oh, is she really? Yeah, I was going to say, talk about, you know, Emma Darcy, who's replacing Rhaenyra. I mean, I feel like that's the one that's going to have to, like, earn my trust more. Because 
Millie Alcock, who plays the young Rhaenyra, she's done incredible. But I don't have that much of a relationship with the young Allison. And I've been waiting for Olivia Cook since this show premiered. So I am ready for new Allison. Yeah. I'm ready for new Allison, and I'm hesitant to see what... I'm not hesitant. I'm not afraid. I think she's going to do awesome. I'm just saying. I'm more excited about the replacement of Allison than I am Rhaenyra. But we are losing such an incredible Rhaenyra. She is fantastic. She plays that role. It doesn't seem like she's trying to be, like, counter. It just seems like that's who she is because of how well that actress has played that role. All to be said, like, I think I think it's premiere TV. I, I hope for 10 seasons of House of the Dragon. You know, there's so much. Because really, I want Mad King. You know, I want that series. Because yeah, we heard King all about and, like, it. Like Robert's Rebellion and all that stuff. Yeah. The only problem is, if they were going to do it, they would have needed to already done it. Because all these original, well, I guess... No, they wouldn't because yeah, all because, the all the characters would be younger. Uh, I don't. I, I can't remember exactly how long that took, but I mean, you you would need a Jamie Lannister in there, and I don't yeah. know. I mean, you could do it. I mean, you could do anything, but having a completely <laughs> different actor for Jamie, having a completely different actor for Robert Baratheon, I would love to see it. I just don't know how well it would work. Yeah. Yeah, but I would love to see the Mad King saga. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's just see what happens. Awesome show. I agree. And also, I think, like, for this batch of Targaryens, I think you brought up a great point. We only got about three seasons with them, but um, they could still keep going. I mean, the Targaryen reign lasts so much longer. So right. it, could, it could be like The Wire or The Leftovers, where they just say season four is – about a completely different set of Targaryens. So, but it I, might be smart to cuz we know there's a Jon Snow show coming, right? Yeah. Called Snow. Yeah. Okay. Is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? I don't sequel. know anything about it. It's a direct okay. sequel to Game of Thrones. So hopefully this shows him killing um Sansa and, you know, she's dead and God is good and praised. I um, hope, I hope they bring back all those people. I hope Arya, yeah, it'd be great. Sansa, I mean, oh my God, I would literally cry my ass off. It'd be awesome. Um, but I think what's good is I think they should take a break after they tell this round of story with House of, uh, House of the Dragon mm-hmm. and tell another story so that when we come back to it, or whatever it More it special. feels fresh and we're not judging it as harshly against the characters we know and love does that make sense it does yeah because it'll be like when um you know there's certain shows where like the leftovers for example how season one and season two are just so stupidly different um and and it's great and it works but that was a gamble yeah. to like to do that so yeah, I think the the more distance they can put between them will only serve them well. Right. But so far, whoever's running the show, I know nothing. Um, but whoever the showrunners for this are incredible. And, uh, yep, I, I can't wait to see how this thing wraps up. 100%. Um, all right, well, that does it. Do you want to hear about Don't Worry Darling, or do you want me to let you go? Yeah, tell me about it. 
All right, so. So did Harry Styles spit on Chris the pretty Pines? one? No. He Chris didn't. Pine. Um, he did not. So, he did. <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> darling. There was a time. Don't worry, darling. was my most anticipated movie of the fall. Like, after Top Gun Maverick, I was just honed in on Don't Worry, Darling. I mean, I could not wait. I've been following the production of this. I remember when Shia LaBeouf got kicked off the set, supposedly. All that stuff has changed. But I remember back when it happened. I remember caring so much about Olivia Wilde's next movie because of how much I love Booksmart. I remember just freaking out when I found out Florence Pugh was cast in this. I was just like, this is just a cosmic Ryan Snelling movie. I was all about it. I was even still excited when Harry Styles came in. I was like, oh, this is going to be incredible. And I, the set photos released and everything, I was like, this is going to be a match made in heaven. I can't freaking wait. And then, and then, about a month ago. No, and then. About a month ago. All the shit. I'm not going to go through every little thing. All the stuff. It's still going, though. The drama. So I know still- none of this, by the way. Oh, I'll, well, I'll go through it a little bit. So the so by the way, Shia LaBeouf was cast in the Harry Styles role, which if you know anything about the story uh, or if you follow the trailers, basically what the trailers promise you <laughs> is this utopic, is it 50s and 60s? I don't know exactly what it is, but this like 50s and 60, 60s utopic sort of nuclear family type thing. Uh, but there's a mysterious element to it. And the look of Harry Styles, it's perfect. But Shia LaBeouf was in that role. And we almost got a Shia LaBeouf Florence Pugh movie, which would have been amazing. Unfortunately, now that I've seen the movie, Shia LaBeouf would not have saved it. This movie was beyond getting help. Um, But uh, Shia LaBeouf was supposedly kicked off. And the quote at the time, Olivia Wilde said, there's a no asshole policy. So maybe he was just being like disruptive and abusive. And so she cast Harry Styles, and then her and Jason Sudeikis break up and get a divorce, and then she ends up dating Harry Styles while being his boss on this set. So that's why, like, the Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis, Harry Styles drama was so ripe, because they were working together professionally, and they're still together to this day, and, like, um, that's been, like, its own thing outside of the movie drama. There was, um... Do you know what CinemaCon is? Uh, no, I have sex with women. Right. So it's a con. Well, well with my, my wife. That wasn't a, a straight joke or a gay joke. That was about me having sex and you not. Go ahead. Okay. So they have a CinemaCon every year where it's for theater owners and people who work for okay. movie theaters. And the studios basically show press and theater owners. Hey, these are the movies we're giving you and we're going to promise you like you know all this stuff. So... Olivia Wilde came out at CinemaCon to do uh, promote Don't Worry Darling. And while she was on stage moderating the stage, she was served custody papers from Jason Sudeikis while doing this thing. Incredible. Like the person interrupted on a stage with lights down, press and everything. So, yeah, uh, you can look it up. It's it's crazy. So all this like. Go, Jason. Yeah. All this stuff is like crazy going on. And this, again, is before the Florence Pugh everything. So then people started noticing that every time Olivia Wilde would post about Don't Worry Darling on Instagram or every time they put out a new trailer, Florence Pugh would mysteriously not mention the movie whatsoever. 
and like Olivia Wilde would like post pictures of her like directing Florence and be like Florence was a uh, Florence was a powerful force. She saved my movie. Blah blah blah. This and that. And then Florence Pugh would like not say anything. So people were like, "What's up with Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh?" So the internet has kind of done a great job forcing all of this stuff to light. Because if you watch the <laughs> if you watch the interviews with like Olivia Wilde and all the other you can tell that everyone involved with this movie is absolutely miserable. So, and now the Rotten Incredible. To- the Rotten Tomato score as of right now is in the low 30s and my expectations completely flipped. Now I'm extremely disappointed that this movie wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yes. Did I have the ability to change my expectations and alter how how I was going to view this entire thing? 100%. I went in excited up until the point I walked into that theater excited to watch a train wreck and still under the impression that at least I get to watch Florence Pugh crush it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to be judging Olivia Wilde's direction, the story, Harry Styles. Is he going to slip in and out of a terrible accent? Like I was so excited to see a train wreck and Florence Pugh walk away just being the only thing good about this movie, and guess what? That's, That's exactly it. what you got. Except I didn't have as much fun as I thought I would because the story ah. was so... Bleh. Really? So, this movie... I'm not going to spoil anything. So, there's only so much I can talk about. I can really only basically talk about what the trailer shows. and But this movie does have a completely different side to it that the trailers don't show. Is what I'll say. But, Lawrence Pugh crushes it. She is so freaking good in this movie. The material does not serve her. And basically what happens is, and the trailer shows a lot of this stuff, you open, it's this, it was filmed in Palm Springs, but you open up and it's supposed to be, this is, this is what happiness looks like. This is utopic. It's the fifties and sixties, whatever. And you know, Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, they all live in a cul-de-sac, like the cast, Nick Kroll's in it, Olivia Wilde, all these people. Okay. They all live in a cul-de-sac. So it's like kind of like this nosy neighbor element to it too, but, um, it's cute. I guess. And um, weird stuff starts happening. And Florence Pugh starts to like kind of start break down into like this like psychosis thing where she, it's about her descent into psychosis and mania or so we're led to believe depending on your viewpoint. And okay, basically what this movie wants to do is it's like it wants to be an episode of the twilight zone and it fails because basically the story beats they're so redundant and repetitive because it's just constantly here's a new scene where florence Pugh stumbles upon something weird and here's a scene where the person doesn't believe her like it's just that over and over and over again yeah but i think where it starts to fall apart is that they don't you get a, again, you get a sense from the trailer that Chris Pine plays this like messianic person who's responsible for this living community. And he works for this company. And he's the head of the company that Harry Styles works for, but it's top secret. And the women at home are not allowed to know what the men are going away and doing. Like, that's a huge thing. 
So going in, it's like, okay, we're going to explore like gender identity roles and, and misogyny and things like that. The movie fails horribly at doing any of it though. Like it doesn't actually expand or make you think about any of these ideas because it tries to be so many things all at once. And again, it's redundant and repetitive that it fails at everything it tries. Essentially. So it's not a good movie. Simply put, it is not a good movie. And wow. The only thing that made it watchable was again Florence Pugh. I actually I actually think all the actors are good in it. None of the actors are bad. Okay. Harry, Harry Styles is good in it. Is he handsome in it? He's 100% handsome. But you also of course don't he like, is. It's also a very like surface level character. Like they don't really okay. do a whole lot with him, unfortunately. I wish they did. I I mean, I guess it kind of comes back to do for a long time in the movie, you're just asked to follow Harry Styles essentially. And they really don't get into his character until when it's too late because the gotcha. movie the movie fails to come together so hard oh and and it just leaves so many things on the floor and it doesn't it's almost just pointless honestly i mean there's just like honestly nothing to take away from it because you're only going to be thinking about all these other movies and stories and shows that you know that this wants to be that have done it better so the only okay. th the only thing left to do is just talk about how Florence Pugh has come out of all of this without any drama. She's always stayed out of it. She she hasn't been on the promotional stuff. She hasn't been on the press tour or anything like that. So she has stayed out of it, and she's gonna be the only person that comes out of this where it benefits. Um, because Harry and Olivia have all the baggage that they have. There's like a lot of reports where like they like left the set all the time. And, like, it just came out uh, off air. I was reading an article and watching an interview with Olivia Wilde on Colbert. Like, Olivia and Harry would just, like, leave the set for an extended period of time and just, like, leave all the actors hanging and stuff. And Florence just seemed like she was the only one trying to be professional. And Olivia Wilde just, like, let the movie get away from her, essentially. Wild. It's directed wonderfully. It looks gorgeous. It's just the writing and the story that makes all of it for nothing. Well, so. so that's a bummer. I was I was excited to see. Hey, Florence Pugh, that was it. You that posted on Instagram, like Probably. basically her making a grumpy cat face in all of her movies. Yeah. <laughs> She's so hot um, and perfect. <laughs> uh, so just I, I just need you to know, um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the movie, um, and uh, I, I of course I'll wait until you buy it on Vudu. That's or right. whatever. That's right. But uh, I just got a notification on my phone. So I, 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 for news, I use Flipbook. Do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, it's the thing that like comes okay. like preloaded on your phone, isn't it? Uh, no, I had to download it. Um, oh, okay. But I just got a notification that Chrissy Teigen continues quest for Skyline Chili after a location she visited closed early. And they decided to give me a notification on my phone. So guess what? Flipbook, you done. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to my review before That's we it. before we leave the podcast. Thank you, though. That's it. That. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, I think that this movie is going to my theory was just full of groups of chicks. So right away I could only <laughs> So I can just tell that the audience for this, and this was at a Thursday night preview. The audience for this after all the drama might mostly consist of 
Harry Styles freaks. Which Heck is yeah. like, which is not a good sign. <laughs> like it, it might make it somewhat successful. Like it might, that might be the only thing that keeps it from being an absolute tragedy is that there's like a built in Harry Styles fan base for this. But the drama has just, I mean, all of the air, the, the air's left the room uh, in terms of this movie. So Avatar, the original is being re-released this week. Um, it's, uh, been upgraded okay. to 4k high dynamic range. Um, okay. I think it's possible that avatar 13 years later or whatever it is, a re-release might contend with the box office for this movie. And which is hilarious. And what a failure if that's the case. Um, but yeah, just... would you, would you say that, that don't worry, darling is, like Olivia Wilde's take on M Night Shyamalan doing Pleasantville. Um, I mean, it definitely has Pleasantville vibes, one hundred percent. And if I like say anything more, it kind of ruins it. But when I mean, dang yeah, it, yeah, I can tell you off air. But anyway, yeah, tell I, me I, off. Air. I think this movie's gonna get dumped to streaming fast. Heck yeah, I think Let's you'll go. be able to rent it very soon. Or you will. Uh, great. Anything else? Nope, nothing left to do but sign off because we have a minute left on the Zoom. You want to tell people where they can find you or no? You can find me on Instagram at Brando Big Mouth. What about you, Ryan? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, at RewatchRyan. And please anticipate these horror watch-alongs. I'm putting a lot of work into them, and I'm not even going to be able to get to 18, but it's all good. Um, Horror. Horror, that's right. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, I'll see you.